If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City, one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City. Will you pray with me? How long, Holy One? How long is long enough for a moment of silence for Brianna Taylor? a black woman who was murdered after police used a no-knock warrant and battering ram to enter her apartment. How long is long enough? Do we hold a vigil for 26 minutes for the number of years she was alive? Or, or perhaps for eight minutes, the number of times she was shot? Maybe the moment of silence should last 20 minutes, which is the amount of time she didn't receive medical attention after being shot. Or maybe it's 20 minutes for the storm of at least 20 bullets the police fired into Brianna's house. Perhaps it should be none at all. None for the number of knocks required for police to enter her home. None the number of times the Louisville postal inspector was consulted by the detective who claimed suspicious packages were being delivered to Brianna's house. None. The amount of drugs police actually found at Brianna's house after they murdered her. But maybe it should be none at all because that's how many people have been accountable for her murder, none. Brianna was murdered in March. Help us find our voice, Holy One. It's almost August. We pray in the name of Jesus, who was also killed by the authorities. Amen. It is my honor to introduce the final speaker of this year's Distinguished Pulpit Series, J.D. Baker. J.D. serves as the Special Assistant to Oklahoma City Mayor David Holt and is the liaison to the LGBTQ community for the Mayor's Office. He is a sixth-generation Oklahoma City resident who graduated from the University of Oklahoma with a Bachelor of Arts in Public Relations. Along with his capacity in the mayor's office, J.D. serves on the board of directors for the Regional Food Bank of Oklahoma, OKC Black Chamber of Commerce, 
as well as OU's LGBTQ Alumni Society. He is also an active volunteer with the YMCA Youth in Government Program, and he was recently recognized in the top five of Oklahoma City's most powerful young professionals by Oklahoma City Friday newspaper. Welcome, JD. We are so glad you are with us. It is our privilege to learn from you. Well, first, giving honor to God. Let the church say amen. My grandmother always said, let the church say amen. And I want you at home to say amen. <laughs> My name is J.D. Baker, and I'm privileged to be a member of God's royal family. I want to thank Reverend Lori Walkie and the Mayflower Congregation for allowing me this opportunity to share some words with you this morning. A little bit about me. I was born into a church with traditions of the African-American church. I was raised at the Redeemed Missionary Baptist Church here in Oklahoma City with my mother and grandmother and my siblings. Today, I'm a member of the Fifth Street Baptist Church, the same church that my maternal grandfather and his family grew up in. Growing up in Redeemed, though, I found my faith and my sense of identity. I was involved in so much Sunday school, Baptist training union, vacation Bible school, the drill team. And for seven years, starting when I was age of 12, I served as the youth radio announcer for our church's radio show, hosted by my grandmother, Geraldine Downey, and our pastor, Reverend Dr. L.R. Drinkwater. Um, God rest their souls. It was there sitting at their feet with them on every Saturday morning, 815. You can imagine how a teenager feels about that. But it was there where I learned so much about God and my faith. I always teased my grandmother that she tricked me into going to the radio station with her, but I'm so glad she did. Finally, I served in the youth choir, the young adult choir, and the senior choir at my church. It was through that experience I found my love for the piano and gospel music. I began directing the choirs, uh, helped directing the choirs in late high school, early college or so. And today at Fifth Street, I serve as the director of the children's choir. And I will tell you that I certainly miss those Sunday mornings with those kids, teaching them about God and music, teaching them that worship is more than just a moment, it's a lifestyle that you live. So one song that I loved when I grew up that has been on my heart actually this week was, is Somebody Prayed For Me, and I would like to share a little bit with you. So put your hands together and just clap with me. <laughs> Somebody prayed for me. They had me on their mind. They took the time and prayed for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. My mother prayed for me. She had me on her mind. She took the time and prayed for me. Oh, yes, she did. I'm so glad she prayed. I'm so glad she prayed. I'm so glad she prayed for me. <laughs> I love this song because it not only talks about the, prayer, the power of God through prayer, but it talks about the power that God has instilled in us to intercede for our fellow neighbor. So today I will share with you about how in today's time we have a responsibility, a duty, and a calling to intercede for our community through our faith for those in need. Throughout this, I will refer to God in the pronouns of he, him, his, but I want it to be known that God cannot be confined to these pronouns, that she, her, hers is completely interchangeable in reference to God. 
We cannot continue to put God into a box of our own expectations and social norms. But I want to start out reading a set of scripture from the book of Ezekiel. This is the story of the Valley of Dry Bones from the 37th chapter of Ezekiel. This is the New Life version. And it reads, The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the center of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me around the valley, and I saw there were very many bones, and they were dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord, only you know that. He said to me, Speak in my name and these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will make breath come into you, and you will come to life. I will join you together and make flesh grow back on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and will make you come to life. Then you will know I am the Lord. So I spoke as I was told, and I, as I spoke, there was a great noise, the sound of bones hitting against each other. The bones came together bone to bone. I looked and I saw the parts had grown to hold them together. Flesh had grown and they were covered in skin, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak to the breath in my name, son of man. Tell the breath the Lord God says, come from, our, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these dead bodies to make them come to life. So I spoke as I had been told and the breath came into them. And they came to life and stood on their feet. There was a large army. And he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. And they said, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are all destroyed. So speak in my name and tell them, the Lord God says, I will open your graves, my people, and make you come out of them. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. When I have opened up your graves and brought you up, I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life. I will place you in your own land and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it, says the Lord. I really like what this says. Because look here, what God has done for Ezekiel, he has set a vision for him. Now, perhaps that vision appeared in a dream. I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. But what was clear was that Ezekiel had answered when he said, Lord, you know. Today, God is speaking, and we must listen. He has set forth a vision for his people and has commanded us to follow. His people are held in captivity today, not held by flesh and blood, but by the rulers and principalities of this land. I would like to share this video from theologian and civil rights activist, Dr. Samuel Dewitt Proctor, and what he describes as the scratch line. We do not all start at the same scratch line, although there's one original position hypothetically for everybody. You were born here owning nothing, having earned nothing, just born. There you are helpless and you are debtor to everybody. But some of us opened our eyes and saw nothing but blessings just dumping on us. I opened my eyes and there was Herbert and Thelma and my grandma Hattie a slave in Chesterfield County who finished Hampton in 1882, smiling on me. How in the world could I lose? Taught me how to read and sing four-part harmony before I ever got to school. 
taught me how to play the clarinet and the piano. Made me go to Sunday school. Daddy didn't send us. Daddy took us to Sunday school. If there was nobody in the Sunday school but one person, that would have been my daddy with his little six children there in the Sunday school at the Bank Street Bank. That's what I inherited. I didn't earn it. You can't get that with a Visa card. It was given to me. Now, all through my neighborhood, there were other young fellas. I can remember all of them. Daddies were drunk half the time. They didn't read in their homes. Nobody went to Sunday school. None of that. They started life beneath the scratch line. I started life way above the scratch line. Everywhere I went, somebody said, aren't you Miss Hattie's grandson? Are you Herbert's boy? Skipped three grades. I never was in the third grade, the fifth grade, or the seventh grade. Everything smiling on me. Finished high school at 15, went on to college on a scholarship. None of that did I deserve. I hadn't earned any of it. I started out with a head of steam. Old North Mission College there had trained my mother and father. They had learned poetry, Paul Lawrence done by Alfred Lord Tennyson. And they gave all of that to us in great abundance. And my buddies up the street had none of that. Now, if we want these bones to live again, those of us who have inherited benefits that we did not earn or deserve, need to turn around and help those who inherited deficits that they did not earn or deserve and help them to rise up to the scratch line where we are, where we are, so that they may earn and enjoy all of the benefits that we so take for granted. Can these bones live again, O oh Lord? Thou knowest these bones can live. I love that end. And I will repeat it again. If we want these bones to live again, those of us who have inherited benefits that we did not earn or deserve need to turn around and help those who inherited deficits that they did not earn or deserve to help them rise up to the scratch line where we are, where we are, so that they may earn and enjoy all the benefits that we so take for granted. Can these bones live again? Oh Lord, thou knowest. These bones can live. We've been called to make these bones live again. It is our calling to prophesy breath into what appears to be a lifeless world. We must breathe through the means of justice. Too many people have been denied the right to life. This year, our nation and our world have witnessed a great reckoning. People are getting infected and dying at alarming rates from COVID-19 while we have negligent leaders that have failed to effectively respond to this pandemic. Simultaneously, the killing, yes, the killing of George Floyd has shed a light on the ongoing systemic racism that has plagued our country since European explorers violently stole this land of this hemisphere from its indigenous peoples. I was talking to one of my mentors a few weeks ago, Dr. Carlos Hill. He's the chair of the Department of African and African-American Studies, the Clara Looper Department of African and African-American Studies at the University of Oklahoma. Weeks ago, we were discussing about what was going on today and putting it into historical context. Dr. Hill, who's an historian by trade, this moment was so clear to him. He shared with me, he said, black people in this country have made so much progress. We've secured our personhood and more rights than our ancestors were given. However, one thing remains true and consistent with American history is the constant violence of black and brown bodies, whether it's through slave owners, vigilantes, or violence on the behalf of the state 
whether that's by police, the death penalty, or negligence of the government to allow black and brown bodies and people to suffer in an unjust capitalistic society. These moments have left us all in a disarray. Now, while some people are doubling down on their xenophobia, their ignorance, and their pride, others are stopping, they're thinking, and they're working to envision a new future for all of us, a future that is just. And to those people, I'm speaking to you. On this previous Wednesday night, I heard my pastor, Reverend Byron Coleman, speak about how we are all on an assignment for God. We must realize what our assignment is and get busy doing it. Our assignment is much bigger than, what we, than who we are, and it moves beyond our current level and comfort zone. As we have seen in Scripture time and time again, God does not call the qualified. Jonah wasn't qualified. David wasn't either. How about Mary? And certainly not Paul. But what we have witnessed time and time again is that God has qualified the unqualified. He has equipped his people that he's called with the tools necessary to do the work. So as you're sitting at home, think to yourself, what is my assignment? Think about how God gave Ezekiel a vision and how Ezekiel followed through on that. So what is my story? I recognize my privileges and disadvantages I've had in my life because of who I am. I'm a black, cisgender man that identifies as bisexual. I'm also a devout Christian. And it was through that faith, medication, and therapy that I've been able to cope, heal, and manage my diagnosis with bipolar disorder four years ago. I'm the fourth of five wonderful children from two loving parents who worked three jobs in my childhood together to provide for their children. Overall, I've been blessed beyond measure. And I was raised being taught that as much is given, much is required. So I've decided to use my privilege to open up doors and access to others, while also dismantling the barriers that denied them that access in the first place. I've dealt with imposter syndrome for so long, and I have not always felt confident or qualified to be in the rooms and spaces I'm in. But I do recognize that God has given me a calling, and I remain confident to lean into that and know that God guides my hand as long as I remain obedient to his will. So this is my call to action to you all. Our world is hurting. But you, yes you, right you at home, have been called to do the work to bring justice for people of color in this country that have been trotted down by white supremacy for so long, even though they continue to march on. You've been called to do the work to stand up and support the lives of queer people who've been met with violence and deny the right to live as God has created them. We must create a just and accessible world for people with disabilities. We, you've been called to seek justice and to love everyone. I know Mayflower Con Congregation here believes in the Christian church recovering its ra radical hospitality. So whatever your role may be as a parent, a friend, teacher, community leader, bartender, server, street worker, accountant, firefighter, clergy, coach, farmer, athlete. I don't care where it is or who you are. I think that you must discover how God has called you to participate in this handiwork of justice. Just like God has been, had called the people of Israel, today God is calling on the people of Oklahoma City and beyond. If we want these bones to live again, if we want justice brought into this world, than those of us who have benefited from systems and privileges that we did not earn or deserve. 
We must break these systems to make up for the deficits that others did not earn or deserve and raise up a just world so that they too may enjoy the privileges that we take for granted each day. So surround yourself with a community to help support you and critique you in your efforts and your assignment to build a more just world. My friend, rapper and activist, JB recently released his album. It's titled, This World is Fragile and Cruel. I'm glad I got you. We know this life is hard, but we must lean on those that love us and care for us and fulfilling our calling. So lean and trust in God for his guidance. Now, while this world may be fragile and cruel, I, J.D. Baker, I'm glad I got you in this fight. So let's band together, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly. Thank you, and God bless. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching from Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services every Sunday are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m and a full church school for all ages is available during the second service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd, a block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.